And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. We're going to give you guys some fan questions. We have a big list that needs to be answered. I mean, we've had this up for, what, a couple days now, and all of a sudden it's like, boom, people are like, hey, we need to know. We need to know. Uh -oh. we, need, we, need our, we need our Double. questions answered. And so uh, I'm going to let Big John answer them all because I'm tired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's, uh, what you got there, Producer Dave? <clears throat> Uh, so there's a couple of Rene Diaz. Uh, I'll try and merge these into one. So Thunder, Robinson, and ESP Limited ask, Will Nate Diaz fight anybody other than Connor or George? Um, and what do you think his next fight is? Um, do you think he'll fight McGregor or only go for the rematch with George? Um, what would you do if you were Nate? Nate. Go ahead. Go ahead, Big John. Oh, you're going to let me go first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. when it comes to the Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz and the George Mazda, I'll talk. I, I like to get your opinion first and then I'll try to add on to it. <clears throat> first off, the one let, let's let's talk about Nate Diaz as the the person and the fighter. Mm -hmm. This will kind of help answer that question. I think I love Nate Diaz, yes. and the reason I love Nate Diaz is because Nate Diaz doesn't give a shit what anybody else thinks. <laughs> as far as he doesn't care what you know you personally think, what I personally think, what the UFC thinks doesn't matter. And you know what? That's the way you're supposed to go through life. Now yeah. there are people that you say, yeah, well, this person's important to me. The, the entire thing that happened with Nate going into 244 with this test that mm -hmm. USADA came back, I want people to realize, I put out a tweet about Nate on that, and I said, all hail, you know, uh, Nate, uh, the honest mm -hmm. mother, motherfucking Diaz. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I actually had people thinking I was criticizing No. Him. And it's like, are you high? And the reason I, I, I put that out is because people need to understand that Nate Diaz was in a position, Nate's going to make a lot of money mm -hmm. for that fight at 244. And Nate was contacted by people with the UFC, people in USADA and the UFC, and said, hey, we have a positive test, and it's okay. We're going to let you fight. Mm-hmm. And we'll take care of it after the fight. And Nate could have gone and said, okay, because he's got a lot of money sitting there yeah. that he's, and he has put in the work. The work's all done. All the hay is in the barn. All right. All this work to get himself ready for that fight has been done. So the only thing that's left is the cake and that's the mm -hmm. fight. And that's the part that you like because all the bad stuff is gone now. Mm -hmm. And, they're going to give him that. And he's, he tells himself, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this down. I'm going to give up all this money that I know I'm going to make because I am not going to let you have control of me. I'm not going to let you have control of this situation. I'm not going to let you have control of what people think of me as far as being honest. Yep. And when he goes and he comes out and says, I want you all to know I'm not fighting. I'm out. He puts it out on Twitter, puts it out on his social media, and at that moment that he did that, that is unbelievable as 
far as for people to understand what he just gave up in that moment when he hit that little button to, to send that message out because he just put himself in a position, millions of dollars, and we're talking millions of dollars. Yeah, millions. How, how many of you are willing to give up a guaranteed millions of dollar payday? Not many, but he not, is. Not, not anyone that's listening to this show. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, he also, but he took control of his destiny. Yep. And that's what you got to look and go, man, way to go, dude. Way to go and not allow someone to now be able to sit there and go, well, yeah, we we let you fight. And yes, you know, we'll, we'll see it, but we need you to, do, you know, let's not talk about things. You've got to be transparent, honest, and that's what Nate Diaz is. He took control of that situation by putting out that tweet. All of a sudden, and I'm not saying you know anything bad, but the UFC and USADA were on the defense mm -hmm. in this situation instead of being in control of the situation. Yep. You know, and you got to really look and say, when you're dealing with Nate Diaz, you're dealing with just a different mindset than a lot of fighters because he truthfully, he's been smart with his money. He has a lot of money, all right? He's he's making a lot of money without fighting, mm -hmm. and so he doesn't need to fight. He doesn't need what the UFC can offer him. And when you say, okay, who's he going to fight? Is he going to fight Connor? I don't think he gives a shit about fighting Connor. Okay, he would he do it? He would do it if it becomes something that he's interested in. But that's the whole thing is, Nate's the one that came up with the whole BMF. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that was created for him. He created it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that it wasn't that George Masvidal created it. He didn't. Nate's the one after beating Anthony Pettis stands in the middle of the cage mm -hmm. and goes, "You know what? I, you know, this I'm the bad motherfucker." He says, "And I want to fight another bad motherfucker." He says, mm -hmm. "And I see him right there." And that's what created that situation and that's why people like Nate Diaz. He is this guy that you believe in that, you know what? Yeah, he is a he's a bad motherfucker because he'll fight anybody, mm -hmm. anywhere. He's got that attitude. He doesn't care about anything as far as titles, really. He cares about who is he fighting. So it's going to take somebody that basically it, it gets the fire going in him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I believe in talking to him, he's got two fights left on his contract. He'll be able to, you know, do what he wants after that. I think he wants to get through those fights. So when he's saying, you know, I'm not going to fight, ah, I really do think he's going to yeah. fight. Who he's going to fight, that's the question. Yeah. And I, I don't think Connor creates a whole lot of interest in him, mm -hmm. where a lot of guys, that's the guy that they want to fight. Yeah. yeah. I actually think that for him, he doesn't care. Masvidal, he would fight again, but I don't think the UFC really wants to put that fight back together. No. So... Uh, it, it's it's going to be a question, but it's the best part about this whole thing is whoever he fights, it's going to be on Nate Diaz's terms. Yeah, that's the number one thing that I respect about him is that he has done it. Him and his brother both, the two of them are two peas in a pod. The two oh, of them yeah. just they dictate what they do, when they do it, and as a fighter, I actually I'm I'm almost like envious of the fact that they did that. You know, I I did that a little bit with the with the Benson fight. You know, Joe Silva called me and said, hey, we want you to fight after Pettis had pulled out. We want yeah. you to fight this guy. And I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. And I'm ranked in the top 15. I'm like, I'm not fighting a tough guy for, you know, and I'm 
I'm number three right now. I'm like, no, either give me someone. It's who's not going like, to do you any yeah. good. It doesn't do me any good, and I'm not. And I've never heard of the guy. I'm like, no. So I said, I'll wait. And then you know, they obviously try to do the threatening of like, hey, you're going to sit on the sideline for six months. I'm like, fine. The number one thing, the reason why these guys, Nick and Nate, are able to do this though, is they've made good money throughout their career. But they're yes, good they with they're good with their money. Yeah, they don't when, they don't blow it when you when you don't blow your money and you're good with your money. You can turn to the promotion and say. That's fine. You can sit me as long as you want. Present me with a fight that I'm willing to accept. Somebody that I excites me, someone that gets me going. All day long, I will take that fight. When you're good with your money. When you're not good with your money, you have no say. You need them. You need them to give you yep. somebody. And that has never been the case with me. And that's never, it seems like it's ever been the case with them. And I enjoy the fact that they have control and dictating who and when they fight. And... Yep. Sure, he's coming off this loss now to George. George's gonna probably go on. I would say maybe one more fight, maybe have a title shot. You know, depending on all this, it depends on I think who it is. I think he would love to fight Colby Covington um, after all the drama and the shit talking and all that stuff. But I've always loved what Nate's done. What's next for Nate? Look, I think he may take maybe a year off, maybe a year and a half, maybe more, whatever it is. He's not getting any younger. So if he does decide to come back, it better be for a big money fight, which he probably will. If Connor gets a win, because Nate's biggest thing is like, I'm not trying to fight no guys off of losses. I'm trying to fight guys that are on the rise. So if Connor gets a win coming up, you know, if he beats Donald Cerrone, I could see him potentially trying to fight Connor maybe a third time then, but not as of right now. No. I, I've always been myself, and I kind of see the same thing also too with certain guys. When you've been in the game this long, you just wanted to fight the guys that motivated you. Like it had yeah. nothing to do with, you hadn't, it was nothing that, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, you know what? That's an easier fight. I want that fight. I never, I think for them, they never thought like that. They they never were like, yeah, I want the easiest. No, it's the guys that motivate you. And that's the one thing that I think the UFC has always missed. Like when I came over from Strike Force, and I keep going back to me, and I hate to do this to you guys because I know it's not about me, but it's like I just think in terms of the guys that I wanted to fight the most, Pettis, Donald Cerrone. I was never offered those guys. And it's like, that's the one thing the UFC just doesn't do. Like, you know two guys really want to fight each other, and you know it's going to be a fucking barn burner of a fight. Why would you not put that fight together? I don't get it. And then that's what I've seen with, with these guys. This is the first time I've actually seen them be like, okay, fine. These two bad motherfuckers want to fight each other. This is great. And they went out and did it, and I'm sure it did huge numbers. I never, I didn't, haven't seen the numbers yet, but I'm sure it did huge numbers. The oh, yeah. buzz everywhere was about that fight. <laughs> And these are guys that are not even, they're not even title holders. They're not even like, George is now in the, in the higher rankings, but Nate's not. I mean, like he's in there, but he's not like, you know, the top, top guy. No. But you just knew it was going to be a fun fight. Every, the anticipation, the shit talk was respectful, but good. And it's still good, man. And I just, as, as of for what's next for him, I would say maybe Connor, if Connor gets a win, Outside of that, I really couldn't tell you, man. I, I, he, I think someone else got the trickle up there for him to get motivated. And the, re the reason with the whole thing, if you watch the UFC and you watch their matchmaking, mm -hmm. they, very, they have a pattern, and their pattern is this. If they have two guys that are popular guys that have losses, they always put those guys together because mm -hmm. they figure one's going to get a win, and they want one to get the win. And so the whole situation of, Connor coming off a loss, Nate now coming off a loss. Yeah, that's the kind of thing they like to do is put those guys together. I like to put two guys with wins together. I like to put two guys with losses together 
because then I know one's coming out with a win and I can build off, you know, that win and, and push them farther. So I can understand why people think it's Connor. I just, in my mind, think that Nate doesn't give a damn about Connor. He's I don't the think one I don't guy think he that does. He's the one guy that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Everyone else would love to fight Connor. Yeah. You know, Nate doesn't give a shit. He's been I'm, there and done that. Doesn't care. Yeah, I'm not. Cons- I'm not saying that he cares about Connor, or I'm not saying that he wants that fight. I'm saying that it may potentially motivate him again if Connor gets a win and gets a dominant win, a good performance, and be like, hey, now there's a little bit more hype around your name, and I'm coming off of a loss. Sure, I'll slide myself up in there, you know, yeah. and get everyone buzzing about me after I just beat you. You just maybe fought Donald Cerrone and beat him, or you know, I could see that kind of playing out a little bit like that. But other other than that, no, I don't think I think I can't think of anybody else that I that Nate would really fight. But, Me you know, you know. So, all right, what's next? Paul Mayer asks, uh, "Do you like the fight Islam versus Kevin Lee? Why or why not?" Uh, well, you know Islam, go baby. I absolutely love that fight. I love that fight. Um, you know they they had talked about putting that fight together a while back. I know that when Islam was ranked, um. I should lower like, you know, 15, 14, <laughs> something like that. He was trying to get the Kevin Lee fight because Kevin was ranked higher and Kevin yeah. kind of just shined him, which I understand why, you know, that was me when I was, you know, why off, would off you, fight. if you're Kevin Lee, why would you take that fight yeah. when he's 10 ranks down below you and it's yeah. not going to do you any good? Doesn't do you any good. And it's extremely None. tough. Yep. But what I want people to understand is you have not seen anywhere near the capabilities of Islam Makhachev. You guys think you guys have seen how good he is? You haven't seen a fucking tenth of what he can offer. I'm telling you guys right now, and I'm a huge Khabib fan. Khabib mentally is probably one of the toughest guys I've ever been in the cage with and trained with. Um, but Islam, to me, is he's got the better striking. He's got the better Sambo. No, oh, he the, definitely has the better striking. Yeah, you know, he's got the better striking, the better Sambo. It, he just doesn't have the big brother on Khabib. Khabib got the big brother on him. But the two of them together make each other great. And I actually, fin- I so love watching those guys train. But Islam, to me, the ceiling is so much higher in terms of the full well-roundedness of being a fighter. But Khabib makes everything he does work for him. Islam has all, like, he has so many, like, so many other tools in the box. His submission game is fucking amazing, which we haven't seen a whole lot of, but he's so good on the ground. His wrestling is obviously phenomenal, his Samo. And so the fight between him and Kevin Lee is very interesting to me. I just don't know if it would be a five round fight or a three round. I would think I would rather see a five round fight for a fight like that because the two of them, I think, would deserve to be on the platform at, at a, at a, at a main event level. I uh, see. Okay, and I'm I'm going with you. You want it to be a five round mm-hmm. because you know that Kevin burns. No, uh, in that three, and you think that Islam, you know, he's got a gas tank. He can go, and that five rounds is going to help him. You say, you say that, you say that. <laughs> no, no, but you say that. But here's the thing, and I know he's got a gas tank, and I know he can go. But yeah. you say that, but I, I'm not leaning towards Islam and I'm not towards the Kevin Lee. And I'm not saying that I, I in a five round because of the Kevin Lee thing of him sent to have a tendency of gassing. But if you go back and you watch some of Islam's last fights, he's tired in the third round. I'm not saying that he can't go on. When he fought Nick Lentz, he looked like he was about to pass out in the third round. <laughs> I was Lentz like, is, he's tough. Dude, the, the Cardi's a bitch. Dude, it, he's, a, he's, he's good, he, he's tough, but 
but Islam looked pasty pale, like just tired in that fight. I was like, what is going on? This is not the Islam I know. And so when I was having this conversation, and this talk, I was thinking about it, I'm like, he's got the explosiveness and all those things as well that he just, you know, maybe he gets tired too when the, the lights turn on. And that's what well, I, when I say, the, yeah, when I say these things about him, about how you guys haven't seen his ceiling yet. You guys haven't seen what he really is capable of and look how good he is now. Wait till you see how good he is when you get to see all the tools in the shed. Well, but the question is this, is he going to be able to take all of those tools out of the shed during the moment that the bright lights are on? Because I don't know you, you know, like I do, there are guys I've watched in the gym and I go, Oh my God. Yep. I yep. mean, that is a world champion. That is a monster. And then every time you put them under the big lights, they just cannot perform in the same fashion. It yep. just the pressure gets to them, and, and everyone deals with pressure differently. That's where you know you're talking about guys like you know Masvidal and Diaz. Both of them handle pressure very well, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and it was funny because I remember Chael Sonnen was talking about he thought that Masvidal had more pressure coming into this fight more on him because of the fact that he hadn't been that marquee fight for the most part like Diaz had been. And I'm like, no, no, George isn't that guy. He doesn't worry about that. He's, he's always been that guy. He can go out and perform when he has to. And it is, it's a question because if you're seeing things from Islam, you know, in the gym all the time, and then every time that he gets into the cage, those things just don't come out. It's telling you pressure is affecting his performance. Yeah. It's up here. It could. It, I think a little bit. Cut, some of it could be the the weight cut also. Yep. You know, I mean, he does. Yeah, cut, he's he, big. He, he does cut a lot of weight. He is tall. Yep. He is big. He's you know very muscular. He's he, he's a big guy. Um, look, we didn't talk about Kevin Lee at all. Look, Kevin Lee. If we see the Kevin Lee that fought Gillespie, yeah. I mean, and just and I think he looked good. I think he's just, he's just gonna get better. He's just the gonna mind. get better. I'm a huge Kevin Lee fan. Um, I've said this ever since the Robert Fallis, um, when Robert Fallis passed his coach, he hasn't been the same. And we talked about this um, yeah. last week on the show, and we we're just talking about the fact that, like, I think he's now hopefully found a home. And as long as he keeps listening to Faraz and he keeps like kind of seeing what the guidelines are with with Roy McDonald and with GSP and whoever else is there in that gym training, and just seeing what what they have been able to. Um, to accomplish in their career, the sky could definitely be the limit for this guy because he has all the intangibles. He has everything he needs. He's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the wrestling. He's got he's got all he needs. He just needs to learn to stay composed and learn how to use it in the cage when the when the lights turn on. And that's hard for some fighters. But I feel like a coach like Faraz, who is like you said last week, he's really good at game planning. Oh, you know, fantastic. and so when, when you have somebody like Kevin Lee who has all the intangibles. All he's got to do is follow the game plan. Man, that makes him tough to beat. And so the fact that those two guys could fight, it excites yep. me. And I'm not saying one way or the other. I just, I, I'm obviously, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Islam because I, I like I've said, we, I know you guys haven't seen what he has to offer. He haven't even sniffed, you haven't even scratched the surface yet. And so I know there's a lot more he can, he can do. But I also have the concern too with the three round fight. In a five round fight, he has been getting tired in three round fights. So we get to that five round round knowing now maybe the recovery will be better. You know, he may, you know, he does recover really well in between rounds and training and all those things. But 
I do get concerned as well, but I'd like to see a fight of that magnitude of two guys, that type of athleticism and that type of greatness do a five round fight. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see that one too. That, would, right. that would be a good fight. And I, yep. I hate to say it. I'm going to go with Kevin Lee in that one right now. Ooh, boy. Uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know what? Under the lights. We may have, we may have to, we may have to put a little friendly bet. I still owe you All a right, steak, we'll by that. the way. I still owe you a we'll steak, do. by you the way. You still owe I me still, a steak. I still I can't do. believe it's been that long. It has been. It has been a long time. What's I'm just, next? I'm just, I'm just leaving it up there. <laughs> uh, which Bellator champions have a good chance of beating the UFC champions? Um, and this is from a guy called Ariel. Ariel Hawani. <laughs> Ariel Hawani, hello. Are you trying to use our stuff now, huh, Ariel? Yeah, he wants to use, oh, yeah, it's something about podcasts. Um, <laughs> who are our guys that can beat the champions? Well, I think Patricio can beat anybody. I think Patricio has a really good chance. He's got his hands full with Max Holloway. He's got his hands yep. full. But we've seen um, good boxing, good dirty boxing, those type of things can expose Matt. Uh, Max I think Holloway. He, the one thing before you go on about anything. Go ahead. Because you, you you brought up Patricio against Max, when you watch Volkanovski when he fights mm -hmm. Max Holloway December fourteenth, yeah, all right, that fight right there is going to tell you how good Patricio Pitbull can do against Max Holloway. Why do you say that? Because they're very similar. Okay, short shorter stature, stocky, strong, and come forward and get inside and land shots and are not afraid of taking shots to land their shots. Mm -hmm. So that fight is going to say a lot about exactly how Patricio would look against Max. Now, I'm not saying that Matt, that uh, Patricio and Volkanovski are the same guy. They're mm -hmm. not, and and I would take Pitbull every day of the week against Volkanovski right now. But Volkanovski has a style is going to be very similar to what you would see mm -hmm. Pitbull against Holloway. Okay, so I would go Patricio has a good chance. I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying he could beat him, but this is this is what happens. When you get to the top 1%, you get to that top championship tier, say 1, 2, and 3, they're all interchangeable. Sure, Absolutely. you have some guys like GSP stood out for so many years. You know, Matt Hughes stood out for so many years, and there was guys yeah. that couldn't beat him. But that, those guys come they don't come very often, you know, John Jones, like they don't come very often. So yep. these guys are interchangeable. And as, and after a year or two of them being champion, they become more interchangeable because that guy's now already, he's tired of defending that title. It's like exhausting training for five rounds for three or four years in a row. Yep. And so Patricio being at the top for as long as he's been at the top, him and him and Max, I think would make for a very good fight. Uh, either way, it could be tossed. I would, I mean, for me, I would lean more towards Patricio, but I'm also a homer, so you guys can call me a homer. I'm also a homer. But I am, I, I'm a big fan of Max Holloway as well. Oh, Max, Max the range. Fan. Max with the range and the reach and the distance and all those things involved. He's got a good chance also to a beating Patricio, conditioning and cardio-wise. I think Patricio got the speed factor, though, of being able to slide in and slide out with the boxing and the power. I think the power is definitely in Patricio's, fav in Patricio's favor. Not that Max doesn't have power. I'm just simply saying that he's punches and bunches, and Patricio is someone that can just end the fight in one punch. We've seen it with Michael Chandler. True. We've seen it with other guys. Um, I think Douglas Lima has a chance to beat anybody, whether it's 185, <laughs> whether 185 170, 150. It doesn't matter. I would take Douglas he, Lima right now over Kamaru Usman in yep, a fight. Yep. You know, I'm just and, being honest, and, but, and I like Kamaro. Yep. But everything is about matchups because mm -hmm. right now I'm telling you, I'll go heavyweight. Right now, I know Ryan Bader against Stipe. That's not mm -hmm. a good matchup for Stipe. 
Just telling yeah. you. I know it's not. But if you put Daniel Cormier in as the heavyweight champion, yeah. I'm going to say that's a better matchup for Daniel than it is for Ryan. So it just depends on who you have there and who's that guy. Because mm -hmm. styles make fights. Yes, they do. And it's what guys are good at and who you're matching them with. So when you sit there and you say, which you know Bellator champions, you give me the, the ability to make that fight, I can make a fight where the Bellator guy is going to beat the UFC yep. guy. And then I could take someone from the UFC and put them in and say, I think I, I think the UFC guy is going to beat the Bellator guy. Yeah, yeah. Just the way it is. But I'm, we're just talking champions. But now look, if Usman was to lose to Colby, it'd be a very similar fight. I'd still give it to Diego. Or I'd still give it to uh, Douglas Lima. So I would still give it to, to Lima over Colby Covington and over Usman. I would still give it to And no disrespect to those guys. I actually like both those guys. love watching both those guys fight. Um, but I would feel guys that would have, like, I, I would throw his name out there, but like Stephen Thompson, I think would give Lima a hard time. But he gives everybody yep. a hard time. Yes. The style of him, we saw a little bit of it with MVP. It get, it was like throwing him off a little bit. Like, okay, what am I doing? Where's this coming from? And you know, and it just it guys like that, they're hard to figure out. Look at Machida; yep. he's made his whole career about that. Um, <laughs> you know, we get the into other, the, the, the other one. I'd like to see. Let me see. Just matchup wise, I would love to see Israel Adesanya and. I Rafael Lovato Jr. Because really? if it stays on the feet, I know who wins. Israel wins. Yes. Tears them apart. If it hits the ground at any moment, <laughs> Lovato is going to sub him. Guaranteed. So you, you take a look. There's another one right there. It just depends on where the fight goes. Yeah. But then let me ask you this. If we interchange Gegard and... Israel. Gegard wins. Gegard wins. Gegard beats Israel really? you every, believe day. So? every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Wow. Wow. Okay. And, and I like Israel, and this is why. I like him too. I like him. And I'm right a huge now, Gegard fan, but go ahead. Right now, Israel has got beautiful stand-up, and he's got, he understands how to control that distance. Mm -hmm. He is beautiful in controlling distance and making the fight stay where he wants it to be. But the difference is Gegard has got very good stand-up too. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to say that I think Gegard's stand-up is better than Israel's. I don't. Mm -hmm. But it's comparable to where Gegard could get into a kickboxing match with Israel and stay with him. Mm -hmm. Israel cannot be in a grappling match with Gegard. No. Cannot. And if Gegard gets a hold of him, oh, yeah. he's in trouble. Yeah. So that's it again. Just stylistically, Gegard is a bad matchup right now for Israel. Now Israel can continue on, and that can change. But you look at the guys that are going to give Israel problems. Gegard's the exact blueprint of what can give him a problem. Got it. No, I agree. I think Gegard's a shitty matchup for anybody. He's so <laughs> he's so good all the way around him. We saw like how good he is on the ground when he fought Lovato Jr. And like I thought for sure he was going to get finished in the first second. You know, somewhat into the third round. I mean, I was like, yeah. shit, man, what's going on? And then, uh, you know, he changed the tide in the third round, just fucking put a beating of a lifetime on Lovato Jr. Like, good. Heaven. Boy, he did. So, um, who's next? 205. 205. Uh, champions. Bader. Uh, so, Bader at 205. And then, Jones. um, John Jones. John Jones. John Jones. Yeah. I'll go with John Jones. Yeah, I have to go with John. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that fight. I think Bader's a different fighter right now, but let's be honest. John Jones. John's good. John's good, man. Hey. And, but I don't even look at it so much as that. Jo even if John Jones, I mean, Brent, Brian Bader's, 
he's just better at heavyweight. Like I, yes. I have no idea why he's even thinking about going back down to the Fed at two hundred five. I'm like, just get rid of it. Just like you're a better fighter at heavyweight, and these guys cannot keep up with your speed. They can't fucking out wrestle you. Like at heavyweight, like you said, he's a bad matchup for Stipe. A really bad matchup for Stipe. Bad matchup but, for Stipe. But at two, but at two hundred five, like he's just not the same fighter. I think he stays at heavyweight. He cleans out. I think he should. Yeah, he'll have a hard time. I think with Minikoff. He'll have a hard time with Minikoff because Minikoff's got good wrestling. He's good on the yep. feet, like long, lanky reach, those kind of things. But I think after the Minikoff fight, realistically, you start looking at Tyrell Fortune. That's really the next. But they train together. So it's like you you got some time. Happen. You got some yeah. time in there to deal with that in that scenario, in that situation. So, I mean, the, outside of that, I don't see any, any of the other heavyweights really beating Ryan Bader. Right now, you no. Know? I, I, I honestly, you go to matchups. The one matchup I would love to see for John Jones mm-hmm. is Phil Davis. Really? I would love to see that. That's a matchup that's going to create problems for John. Not how so, that, how not, so? Not that he can't beat him because of the fact that Phil is someone that doesn't worry about John Jones just being able to take him down. Phil knows I have the ability to stop what he does as far as his attacks in, in taking people down. Mm-hmm. What Phil's going to have a hard time with is that distance in the way John attacks with that front lead kick and what he does and setting up that distance and keeping Phil at a distance. Mm. Phil's going to have to figure out a way to get past that distance, even though Phil's very long too. He's not as long as John Jones. But if Phil fights a a smart fight, he creates problems for John. I'm not saying that he beats John, but that would be a good matchup. Yeah. I'm not quite on the Phil wagon to beat John Jones, and I'm a big Phil fan, but uh, yeah. I, I didn't say I said it's a good. That's a stylistic matchup that I go. All right, there's problems that are presented for John that uh-huh. he doesn't sometimes have to deal with. I got you. when he's fighting these other guys. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Good. Oh, uh, on Khabib. Who? Patricio on Khabib. No, Khabib is just too big. Size-wise, Patricio would have a hard time with wrestling-wise. Patricio would have a hard time with them. He'd have the advantage of the stand-up and the knockout position, so Khabib would have to take that serious. He'd also have a hard time getting in on the double leg because Patricio's so short. So it would pose a little bit of a, a threat and concern. Khabib's going to have some problems in taking yeah, Patricio down. He will He will have some problems taking him down. But I'm not I saying think he one, can't do it, but he's going to have some problems. But I think once he gets him down, it just... it. I think the fight doesn't last very long after that. Just the the mauling and the size of holding him down, uh, it's 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 a big it'll play a big factor. I think if if he can get him down, or, and I, I'm not trying to be. And this is the one time I will say I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm simply saying <laughs> this. I've been on the bottom of you know uh, training with Khabib, and it's not like you just pop back up. But if you pop back up, his hands are still locked. He's taking you back down. My thing is is. Once he locks his hands, he's not trying to let go of those things ever. And so when you when he when people get back to their feet, it's because he pretty much let you up to take you back down. And he's yeah. just going to try to make you tired. And then everything else, your 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 striking power, your speed, all that is like in a video game. It just starts going lower and lower and lower. Okay? And then then when you finally do get out of the first round, it's like, okay, second round, you're not the same guy you were when we started the first round. So the takedown's not as important. I'll make sure I'll maybe try to get it, but I'm going to throw my strikes a little bit and then go for the takedown, throw my strikes a little bit. So now it's giving you something else to worry about because you just got mauled for the first round. That's why Connor got dropped with, with the punch. It's because yeah. he, was, he was worried about the takedown. 
You sure know? he was. So you've got that in your arsenal and your weapon of like how good you are at mauling someone and being on top. Patricio, I think, has a hard time on him. Do I think Patricio does a really? I think he has a really good chance of beating Max. Yes. Patricio against any of the other 155 pounders, I think, outside of Khabib, I think he has a good chance of beating them as well. I think he still has, I think he has a little bit of a hard time with Tony because Tony's so long. The length yeah. is long. That's, that's the hard the, part, you know? That's and then, not a good matchup. That's not in a good matchup. In my opinion, for Patricio, I think yeah. Tony. Tony's got a style that would give Patricio some yeah. problems. Yeah, it's a, it's a funk. Obviously, I know it's a very funky style, <laughs> but it's a, but I but I think beyond those guys, those I think Patricio has a good chance of. And but you're talking about the two best guys. And like I said when we started this conversation, these guys are all interchangeable on styles yeah. like matchups. And you just touched on that, you know, um, with the Stipe and the DC fight, DC against Ryan Bader. Yeah, it's a really tough fight for Ryan Bader. But Stipe and uh, Bader. A lot easier fight for Ryan Bader. So it's a good. Well, it's stylistically, it's a yeah. good matchup for him, of with what he does. Yeah, that's true. Next, all right. <clears throat> Drew Knight asks, "Why is it that groin shot victims get up to five minutes to recover, but the eye poke victims seem to be more of a can you or can you not fight decision that needs to be answered right away, rather than wait five minutes and then work out if they can see or not?" I guess I'll take this one. <laughs> Yeah, because you want to answer it. No, Josh. because I've been Go asking ahead, myself that same damn question for 15 years now. <laughs> all right, all right. As simple as it gets, uh, you cannot have a doctor check somebody for a groin shot. You know, you're not going to have a. Uh, in Japan, it happens, and Josh would know this well since he mm -hmm. fought there. Someone gets hit with a groin shot. The doctor will actually reach his hand into your trunks and fondle your testicles. Okay, it's because they just do things different. That's why and, Josh likes to do that. Exactly. In North America, no doctor in the middle of a crowd is going to reach his hands inside. And so when the rules were put together, we gave the fighter the control of that five minutes of time, meaning that as a referee, I call time because of a groin shot. I cannot restart this fight until that fighter tells me, yes, I'm ready to go. Now, if it goes to the end of the five minutes, then I cannot restart it, and the fight will be over based upon what I say is either a intentional blow, unintentional, no contest, DQ, whatever it's going to be. But that's because the fighter has control. So the fighter can sit there. He can be doing push-ups, and I go, all right, you're ready. Nope, not ready, and I can't start the fight. Wow. They have control of the five minutes. Once they say, I'm ready, now we restart the fight, and it's all back together. God. When it comes to eye pokes and any other foul that happens to a fighter, the referee and the ringside physician in consultation with the referee, but the referee is the person in control of that time. Mm -hmm. Your problem in, in what you're looking at you know, as far as why isn't that they don't give the five minutes? That is really dependent upon your referee. And everyone has their favorite referees, okay? And, and it's all good. But Mike Beltran, people, you're my favorite, buddy. Mike Beltran, you're my favorite. <laughs> people, people have no idea the good referees compared to the bad referees. When they, when they determine what a good referee is, it's because the re that referee uh, makes – you know, lets the fight go on that they think should have gone on or something like that. 
the referees that you do, you don't even realize what they do. You had no idea how many fights. All right, you had you know, and we th- we kind of talked about the Nate Diaz cut. All right, you, people have no idea how many fights I had doctors wanting to stop mm-hmm. that I created another round for the fighter. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you do that because it, you do it because of what's right for the sport and understanding what's going to cause a problem for the fighter. They need to understand doctors are always in that position. They're wanting to protect. They're wanting to take care of the fighter. The fighter gets paid to get damaged. That's their job. Now, we don't want them to have unnecessary damage, and that's when the the doctor will come in and say, well, you can't go on with that cut. But many times, the fighter can go on with that cut. And so you have referees that know how to handle things in certain ways Mm -hmm. that they create this extra time. I will tell you, I used to what I would call manipulate time Mm -hmm. when it came to guys with eye pokes. I'd never brought the the doctor in right away. I would always, you know, if you got poked, I would tell you, hey, clear out your eye. People can go back and watch certain things. You know, I had like, uh, you know, John Dotson and Demetrius, uh, you know, Johnson fighting. And there was an incident, you know, I'm sitting there and saying, hey, can you see? And he said, yeah, I'm good. I said, so you can see clearly right now. He goes, yeah, I'm good. So, you know, am I ugly? And he goes, no. And I go, obviously you can't see. I'm going to give you more time right now. All right. And the reason I'm doing all that is I'm not doing it to be funny with it. I'm doing it to manipulate time. I'm allowing time to go by and I'm allowing him to have more and more of this Mm -hmm. as under the rules. I have this ability to do this. And sometimes guys will try to get back into the fight, and I'm going to hold them back from getting into the fight. Now, there are referees that they're going to go by this black and white rule set. Mm -hmm. And that black and white rule set says, we bring in the ringside physician. Ringside physician says, oh, you know, yes, he can go. No, he can't. And let's get this fight going. They don't understand how to manipulate time. Yeah. So you're going to get differences in what occurs based upon your referees. But you... People think, well, you should just give the time to the fighter. You can't do that either because you will get guys that actually manipulate the time to their advantage when they don't deserve that advantage. They really weren't hurt by a serious eye poke, we'll say, or a serious foul. And because they're tired, they're going to sit there and say, I can't go. I need need more time. I need more time because they're tired and their opponent is now putting it on them and they need to get that air back. And so this is why the fighter is not given the ability to control that time only if it is a groin shot because we can't say exactly how bad it was. Got it. All right, next one. I have nothing to add to that because there's <laughs> – you said it all. Josh is still fixated on fondling his testicles. Uh, the fondling of the, um, the junk. Kevin Hernandez asks, what rank do you think Douglas Lima would be in the UFC welterweight rankings? Number he, one or number two? Yeah, he'd be number one well, or number two. I think he'd be he'd be exactly where he is. He'd be the champion or he'd be break number one or number two. Did you guys see the ESPN rankings? It showed he was number four. And what did you think of that? Where he uh, <laughs> Number four at 170 or number four in the pound for pound? But number four, 170. Uh, uh, who, who did they have in front of him? They who, got yeah, who, in front of him. Yeah, they Colby. had They had Masvidal as well. Oh, yeah, no, negative. No. Look at Masvidal fought no. in, in Bellator. All right, so and yeah. Masvidal is fighting very well right now. Yes, he is. That's not that's not a fight that George 
is going to be real comfortable. In. No, no, I don't. I don't get. I don't give that fight to George. I like George a lot. I love what he's what he's yep. been able to accomplish as of lately, but um, I don't give that fight to George at all. You know, um, yeah, no, uh, I don't. I and I definitely don't give it Colby Covington or Usman a chance to beat him either. I mean, they give it. They have a chance, but I don't. Yeah, think they, they got a I chance. Don't, I don't think they beat him. I think uh, one or two leg kicks, a couple good combinations. I think they all of a sudden their wrestling doesn't turn into what it could be. And we've seen. We, I've also have seen Colby doesn't get tired, but Colby's stand up is horrendous. You know. Uh, <laughs> And he's got no power. You know, yeah, no power. And no wrong, power at he's, all. He's a go-forward kind of guy, and he, he does get the job done. He's got good conditioning. But yep. when it comes to if you were to, if he was to fight somebody like um, Lima, phew, you don't want to get hit by him. Not you got, trying you, to get in on the takedowns, no way. You really have, you have to look at Lima's record and what he has done, and, and his losses came at a time when he didn't wrestle well. Yeah. And he became, I'll give you a little backstory. Brian Stan is a guy that I talk to um, sometimes about certain things and have a lot of respect for him. Well, he used to train with Douglas Lima. And before the very first fight with um, Rory, I was talking to uh, Brian Stan about, hey, what do you think? And he says, he goes, John, I am telling you, I hated training with that son of a bitch, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and he's saying that in a sarcastic way. You know, he loves the guy. He goes, he is a freaking monster. He goes, I was 185 and then a 205-pound guy. He goes, and he was always stronger than me. He was always faster than me. His wrestling was so – he was so hard to take down. And every time, if I could even get him down, he just popped right back to his feet. And it was like I burned all this energy for nothing. He goes, and when he decides to just – specifically target a certain area for him to be good at he goes he becomes so much better at it he goes i'm telling you people have no idea how good he is he goes yeah. i would be i'd be shocked if rory can beat him you know and so that tells you you know that was brian a while ago and you saw in douglas lima's first fight against rory rory was able to take him down how many times did he take him down in the second fight Zero. Oh, I thought he got one takedown. Okay. He ended right. up. He ended up taking. Who ended up on top? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Douglas yeah. Lima. Yeah. Okay, so you know it, it's he is a guy that his stand up is dangerous. His kicks are lethal. His Brazilian jiu jitsu is good. It's not. It's not Damian Maya no. worthy. It's not Lovato worthy. It's not close to that. But his wrestling, especially his defensive wrestling, is now fantastic. And mm -hmm. a lot of that came because of the fight he had with Ben Askren that he'll yeah. tell you, I was not prepared to fight someone that wrestled the way he did. Yeah. Not many people are prepared for someone like Ben Askren. No, if you're but they're wrestling and people want everyone, to talk. Everyone thinks, Oh, I wrestle. I, I can stop no, that. It's no. like, you got no idea. No idea, man. There, there's stories about how he would just lock his fingers around someone's legs and all of a sudden they end up on, you know, the takedown. <laughs> um, Look, and the other thing too is like people want to compare like, oh, well, he lost the he lost to Ben Askren. Yeah, he also lost to Ben Askren years ago when Ben Askren was younger. You know, like not what I'm talking about. And younger, he was younger. Yeah, he was younger, but Ben Askren was younger. Ben Askren was still fresh coming off of the wrestling scene. Was still training, like had a pretty good jiu-jitsu game at the time, but still was heavy reliant on wrestling, which he still is now. But the speed of Ben Askren now, you've seen in some of his uh, most recent fights. 
the, it's not the same. It's changed. Yeah, it's changed. No, he's, he's not the he's same. Slow. He's not the same. Exactly. He's not the same in closing that distance as he was when he fought someone like Lima years and years ago. So, um, yeah, I, I think for sure Lima is the, the guy I think that has Patricio and Lima because they're the pillars of Bellator, I believe, right now. Those are the, and Lima Lay for sure. It, with a couple more, I think a couple more wins getting her up there, getting her name out there more. I mean, those would be like the three biggest pillars, I think, of Bellator right now. Uh, next, uh, really real asks Josh, um, what do you think about the big mega boxing payouts versus UFC payouts? And then he gives the example of Canelo getting thirty-five million and Masvidal getting five hundred thousand. <laughs> I don't know if those numbers are real, but that's what he. Well, gave. look, I no, mean, those numbers aren't real. They're not real. That's what. Yeah, well, that, Can Canelo's is real. I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah, Canelo made thirty-five million, but you know, John, do you want to? You want to go ahead and you could touch on it. Go ahead. Well, the, the numbers aren't real. That's the thing. It's hard. Like if you guys go back to yeah. my Bellator fights, it says I made five and ten grand to fight. No, I didn't. I did not make that much. Yes, I, you did. There's no way I made that. You that fought money. for ten thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, I wouldn't even get out of bed for ten grand. Like, this, no thanks, man. No thanks. No. It's, what, what, go ahead. What people need to figure out is this: the State Athletic Commission is given a contract. Mm-hmm. They see the contract. It is a signed contract. They verify it with the fighter, the fight management, all that stuff. Okay? What is done behind the scenes for the fighter and between the fighter and the promotion, that has nothing to do with the athletic commission. All they can go off of is the signed contract of, you know, fighter A is going to fight fighter B, and this is their purse. And here is now the check associated with that purse made out to the fighter in that amount. So when the fighter is done with the fight, they go into the back, they get medically checked by the commission to make sure that they're okay. They can get a medical suspension by the doctor or they're told, hey, you, you need to see this or go to this doctor or this. And they are handed their check at that time mm -hmm. for participating in the fight for the promotion. But that check can be $10,000. Mm -hmm. And the promotion can have an agreement with that fighter under another part of the contract that is not what's given to the athletic commission where that fighter is going to make $1 million mm -hmm. for that fight. So the commission gives them the check for 10000 and then electronically transferred into the fighter's accounts mm -hmm. by the promotion is that $1 million that yep. they get, which is their actual pay for the fight. And this is what people don't understand. How many, how many people out there have a sign that says how much they make at their yeah. job? Yeah. Nobody. Yep. Because it's nobody's business what you have decided to, to make for a living or what someone is paying you, it, yeah. it, it shouldn't be public knowledge. Nope. And that's what promoters are doing for the fighters is they're saying, hey, this is none of your business. And if you think that I'm paying this guy $500,000 for this fight, I, that's great. Yeah, that's what he's getting. But if you, you know, the people that know, Jorge Masvidal, George Masvidal, however you want to say his first mm -hmm. name, because if you're in Cuba, it's Jorge. <laughs> but... He did not make $500,000 for that fight at, at a top. Yes, he made $500,000 from the commission check. Yep. The commission handed him a check for one for half a million dollars. Nice. But he's going to get 
a nice amount of money going into his bank account from pay-per-view and all the things that are associated that he agreed to, and he's going to make millions of dollars off of that fight, which he deserves. Now, is he going to make $35 million? No. No. All right? <clears throat> but you can go into the boxing world, and how many people make $35 million yep. for a fight? Very few. And very few would make it in MMA. So he's getting very good money. He's happy with his money. That's why he's fighting. And someday, maybe, you know, you, people need to understand that the percentages in the <laughs> boxing world, the boxing world, the fighters end up, because of the Ali Act, they're going to get 80% of the pay goes to the fighters. Now, that's all the fighters. But I'm telling you, if you have a 10-fight card and you're with Canelo and Kovalev, Canelo and Kovalev made, we'll say, eh, somewhere in the area of $50 million between the two. Mm-hmm. The rest of those guys combined didn't make a million dollars. Yeah. All right? So it's only those top two that are getting the big money, yep. and that happens in MMA too. Yep. Yep. They're slowly making a little bit of the transition over now to like that boxing format of how those guys get paid. Well, you got to figure that's an 80-20. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the promoter's taking the 20. Let's reverse that with the UFC, nope. you know, in the way that they're structured. They're the ones making the 80, and the 20 is going to the fighters. Nope. All right, one more. Last one. Uh, last one. Tony versus Khabib, who wins? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Josh uh, that one. I yeah. wonder. I, I'm I'm surprised of who he's going to say here. No, you're not surprised. Um, <laughs> look, I'm going to give you guys a couple different scenarios, and I've said this multiple times. Khabib will dominate the fight. I'm not, but what I am saying is that I think I do believe that there is a chance that this fight may be stopped due to a cut. So cuts on the head, cuts elbows, anything along those lines. I'm telling you guys right now. I've never experienced anything like it every smell like every time that dude touched me even if like i <laughs> slipped and fell on his elbow i had a fucking cut it was one of those things where i'm serious i had never experienced it. i've seen him do it in his, some of his other fights and it just it happens and the one thing that concerns me is that we saw this i want to say a long time ago was it eves edwards and joe daddy stevenson one of them cut I yes i did eves. that fight eves got cut i think on the top I of his head he had a bald head and it was like squirting out of his head and it, that's kind of the feeling that i'm like when you start talking about the exposure of the sport and what we need to do to make it look good a cut like that whether it's dangerous to him or not there the the commissions are going to get scared. The doctors going to get scared. Like you're losing a lot of blood. It looks bad. The TVs, the network, it's everything. It all comes to a head at that moment with three or four, you know, two or three good cuts on his head and blood squirting out when there's pressure and choking. People are like, oh, oh, it's going to change the dynamic of the fight. And that's the only thing I, that's the, I think that's the only way that Khabib loses this fight outside of like a mistake getting caught into a submission. But all he could. The, all the, yeah, he could. He could. All the training that I've done with him, though, he his style of the way he wrestles, it obviously keeps him from putting himself in a whole lot of jeopardy in the takedowns and the submission department. And he's very sound in the leg lock positions. He's very sound in submission games, in his submission game. Uh, but I think, realistically, like he does leave his head in positions that Tony Ferguson elbows very well from. And very he puts well. his head in positions that Tony hits a darse yep. from a lot of different angles yes and that most of the most of the time we're gonna say you know that Doris has got to be that 90 degree yep. 
Not when you're Tony Ferguson. Yep. Yep. I know we had, we had, we've trained for Tony though three times now, I think. So he's had he's had in his mindset how to how to prepare for Tony Ferguson because they've yeah. been ready they've been getting ready for each other for fucking five years now okay and it's like it hasn't happened but they know in their minds not much not neither one of them have changed a whole lot since the first time they fought I feel like Tony's utilized a little bit more of his funkiness like his roll away defending doubles and that type of stuff but that's not the way that Khabib fights you know he shoots the double leg and just shoots you all the way to the wall then he tries to lift you, take you down, do all those things, grind on you. But at, in those moments against the cage, he also leaves his head in positions to be elbowed. On the side of the head, on the anal. And those are things that concern me with the cuts. Bald head, no hair on there, one or two cuts makes it a shit show. And those cuts can end up skewing how the doctor perceives whether this fighter should continue or not with the amount of blood loss. I mean, just in my mind, you would know more about that. <laughs> but just in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. All right, I'm going to give you a story. I'll give you the entire backstory okay. on Eve Edwards and Joe Stevenson, but I got to go to a prior fight okay. to give you this story. Okay. Because there was one of the very first Ultimate Fighter finales. The very first one happened at the Cox Pavilion, mm -hmm. and then all of the Ultimate Fighter finales went to the Hard Rock, okay. if you recall. The joint? At the joint yep. in the Hard Rock. Mm -hmm. And there was a... There's a particular fight if you go to extreme couture in las vegas mm -hmm. there's a mat up on the wall folded in half yeah and that mat is from this fight okay because jay haran who used to work out at extreme couture was fighting a guy named jonathan Goulet, who is from yep. you know quebec canada yep um in the fight jay haran is tearing jonathan up but at a certain point, Jonathan lands one elbow right into the middle of Jay Haran's forehead, mm -hmm. and it puts about a half-inch cut in the middle of his forehead, but it hits an arterial vein. And there's a the guy who was the referee at the time came from boxing. His name's John Shorley. Still is a boxing official in uh, Texas. He was out of California but working in Nevada at the time. And that arterial cut just started to spray and that's why the mat is up there because it's got blood sprayed all over yeah. it yeah and the jay's winning the fight yeah but he spray every heartbeat you know it's going it looks like you know someone's got a spray bottle and it's just spraying out forward and surely stops the fight yeah calls time brings jay over to the ringside physician and at the time the ringside physician is a doctor he's still in uh in uh, Nevada, as far as he still works with the commission, his name's David Watson. He's a mm -hmm. great ringside physician. He's fantastic. He rolls in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. He is not squeamish about anything. He lets everything basically go. And he looks at, you know, he looks at Jay and he looks at Josh Lowe. He goes, he's fine. Let him go. <coughs> right? And the fight starts up again, and it's just, oh, it's man. spraying out. And, and surely our referee is starting to become physically ill because of how much blood is coming out. <laughs> uh, really? I'm not kidding. And so he stops the fight. Time uh. brings him to the ringside physician. Watson comes up onto the that you know catwalk, and he looks and he goes, it hasn't changed. He's fine. Let him go. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it comes to the end of the round. They go to their corners. The cut man puts stuff on the thing, and Shorley calls me over, and he goes, John, he's he's really bleeding a lot. And I go, John, he, I said, the doctor told you he's fine. I said, look, I'm not, 
you're wanting the doctor to stop the fight. He's not going to do that. I can't this, stop this laughing. Isn't bad. This is bad. This, this is the truth. <laughs> I go, you have the power to stop the fight at any time. Don't rely on the doctor if that's what you want to do. I go, but then it's on you, and he's telling you the, the cut is fine. So the fight starts up. Now, it's not bleeding. It's just kind of running down Jay's forehead because he's got a wob of Vaseline there. And the first thing that they do is come together, and the Vaseline goes and it starts spraying again, right? And Shirley is in this position, right? He finally goes, stop, and he oh. waves his arm, and he takes the fight from Jay Huron. Oh, and so man. we go into the back afterwards, and David Watson stands up. He was He's talking to me the whole time, but he stands up, and he says, hey. He says, these guys are not going to goddamn bleed to death. Do you understand that? Yes, it's a cut. If it was a bad cut, I'm going to stop the fight. You need to understand they cannot bleed to death out there, right? Oh, shit. So comes another fight, you know, another show, and it's Joe Daddy Stevenson against Eve Edwards. Yes. And and Joe sets up. He, he did a beautiful job in setting Eve's up when he landed. He actually looks like he's going back and he's going to drop for a leg. Mm -hmm. And Eve sits up and drops his hand down. And Joe comes over the top with an elbow and he hits him on the side of the head. Yeah. And it opens up this cut. It's probably about an inch and a half. Wow. And it hits an arterial vein. And it, as he goes now down on top of him, it looks, if people go back and want to see the bloodiest fight in MMA, Eve's Edwards' head is just pumping it out. And it looks because yeah. the blood is now flowing like a crime scene out onto the mat. It's it's yeah. puddling, right? And so I'm, I'm looking, I'm going, oh, man. And I'm trying to let it go because he's fighting. And it gets to a point where in the in the round, I go stop time. And I bring him over because I know David Watson is my doctor. Yep. And I bring him over. And David looks at it. He goes, man, he says, I think, he says, let him go. Right? I said, good. Let's let him go, right? Put him back in. And by the end of the round, Eve Edwards, round ends, yeah. he sits up, he looks like he's got a mask of blood. Yeah. He is just covered, right? And he goes back to his corner, and I'm thinking, hey, man, we're going to go to this, the second round. And Watson comes over, and he, he comes up on things. He says, John, come here. He goes, you got to stop the fight. And I go, why? What? And he goes, he says, he goes, it's not the cut. He goes, I am telling you. I would estimate he's lost between 500 and 700 cc's of blood. If he was in the hospital, we would be giving him a transfusion. I can't let him go on in the fight anymore. Wow. And I go, all right. And I go over and I tell his corner, hey, man, the doctor's going to call the fight. And he's like, I I'm good. I can fight. I go, brother, I know you can. I said, the doctor is not allowing it. He thinks you've lost too much blood. And it was kind of hard to argue yeah. it because it was all over. Nah, it was a lot. I remember oh, it was horrible. And it was like, you know, I was like, I looked at Del Watson. I go, you told me they couldn't bleed to death. <laughs> it's a big, I told you so. Oh, that's so that's funny. Like, you said, you said. Anyways. You told me, man. I was living off of that. But that's my concern with the Tony and the Khabib fight. Just honestly, yeah. like outside of like, sure, could be uh, making a mistake and getting caught in like a, a guillotine or a darse or anything along those lines, which I don't think will happen because I think he's pretty well game planned for that. We've done that over and over and over again, preparing for how Tony sets up in multiple positions, you know? 
but I am concerned about the cuts because he hangs on the double leg quite a bit. And whether he gets taken out or not, he does that. And every time he does get the takedown, he hangs his head right there by the waistline. And those those even though they're twelve to six elbows, they're not twelve. They're not twelve to six. They're you know they're whatever you want to call it. Another way, it's a legal elbow. It's a legal elbow. So those with a shaved head with no hair, it just comes out faster. The blood pops out, pushes out, and visually for the TV and visually for you know it's ESPN, ESPN pay per view, whatever you want to call it. It's a mom and pop station. It's a, it's it's paper. I know it's pay per view, and you're paying Disney. for it. You know you're paying Disney. for that. But I think the commission, the doctors, and the network will all be chiming in like, "Hey, this is getting a little too bloody for our own good." Especially if it starts coming out. Um, if it starts going, yeah. Well, as far as the the network's not going to have anything to do with it. Yeah. They, they they just don't have that power to do that. But, but I'm telling you right now, if there's two guys. Mm-hmm. that I think have a chance against Khabib right now. Tony Ferguson is the first. Yes. Because he creates things that other guys can't. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to say, you know, John, who do you think is the one guy that can really present a problem? I think Tony's the guy that can present a problem. That yeah. doesn't mean that he, you know, he, that Khabib is going to lose to him, but Tony is the guy that I look and I say, man, he, he's got the ability to give Khabib problems. And yep. the pressure and pace that he brings – is part of that, you know. It's part of that because he does not stop. He has no. got it just. He's got a hundred gallon gas tank, man. He is nonstop. He just keeps coming. He is like a tidal wave. Yeah. Now, so is Khabib in what he does, but Khabib is a guy that I see get tired at times, mm-hmm. you know. And I see him have to take a step back and catch his air, and then he comes back. Yeah. So. Tony's the guy. The other guy I look at, Justin Gaethje, has got some things that I go, yeah, he could give him some problems. Yeah. You know, Gaethje's got he's got good wrestling, and he's got very unorthodox stand-up that's good, and his leg kicks are really good, and his leg kicks could end up making Khabib's shot become slow. So there are there are things with both guys. I would say Khabib is definitely the favorite against each guy, mm-hmm. but those are the two guys. If I'm looking. I say, who who's the guy that's going to beat Khabib? It'd be one of those two guys. Yeah, I I, I always said that the Gaethje fight was a good fight. I'd like to see that fight. I don't I don't yeah. think that he beats Khabib. Uh, I think Khabib on the feet. The wrestling would be so it would it'd be like the Connor thing where he would threaten the wrestling so much that Gaethje would be only prepared for that. He I don't think Gaethje would pull the trigger as much as he normally does against other. He might guys not, yeah, because he knows that he can defend the other guy's takedowns because his wrestling is good. But I, I, people don't, I, no one understands how good Khabib's wrestling is until they're like, yeah, I oh, do. I can do it. I can yes, stop I it. I can stop it. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? Like I the guys that are fighting him, they're like, yeah. oh, I can stop it. No, I, he, he'll he get me down. Maybe he'll get me down one time. No, he's going to, when he does get you down, you're not getting up. You know what I mean? So yeah. they don't get it. They don't, they yeah, don't, they until don't, it like, happens. Like you, when, you, when you go against Lovato Jr., you know, when you go against Lovato, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I could, I could get off the bottom. No. I'm no, a black you know. belt. Yeah, no, you can't. Nope. No, you can't. <laughs> he crushes you. And that's how I think how guys, you know, Ben Askren and uh, T-, T. Wood came out and said, you know, he's been, he's so used to all these years of getting out of black belts, submissions and movements and things like that. He thought he could do it with Damian Maya. Nope. And that cost you, it cost him the fight. He was, I had him winning the fight. I think you had Damian Maya winning the fight. I don't know. I had Ben Askren winning the fight, but uh, up until then. But it was, but he put himself in that situation, in that scenario that you're used to maybe thinking you can get out of, and you can't. Certain guys, you cannot get away with things. And to me, Khabib is that guy. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, man. That's everything. It's been a long Sounds show. Good. good one. We did a, a lot of fan questions. We're gonna try to. Do, I think we should try and do that a little bit more often because I like that little kickback back and forth. Yeah, and, uh, we'll go from there. Good. Glad you got home safe and enjoy this the safe travels tomorrow to Tel Aviv. Yeah, that's ah. <laughs> all good, my man. Hey, it's been a pleasure, and I'll, I'll chat with you again. Are you back for next week? I am back for next week. Okay, I will see you then. Safe travels. Later, buddy. my brother. Okay, later, bud. Bye.